One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For the first time since 2019, spring has sprung and there are no COVID restrictions to accompany it. No limits on how many people we meet or where we choose to meet them. Last month, the requirement to isolate ended, masks were pulled off and in England, some people claimed the pandemic was all but over. After two of the darkest, grimmest years in our peacetime history, this is a moment of pride for our nation. Free testing will stop from next month. SAGE, the committee of scientists who've guided the government through the pandemic, won't be meeting regularly anymore. We're told that as a country, we're now learning to live with COVID. But COVID suddenly seems to be everywhere. Cases are on the rise again. Cases and hospitalizations ticking higher in Europe and the UK. More than three and a quarter million people in the UK had COVID in the week ending March the 12th. That's about one in every 21 people. Cases have now hit record highs. This is one of the, the highest jumps we've seen any week outside December 2021. One in every 21 people in the UK might have COVID, but the government is still saying... There's no particular cause for concern uh, at this point. I think things are are, are stable and, and we are learning to live with COVID. As booking starts for the fourth jab for the clinically vulnerable and people over 75, are we back in another race between the vaccine and the virus? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times... I'm Manveen Rana. Today, why do so many people have COVID again? Today, we're hosting our very own mini-sage briefing with one of the main disease modellers the government's turned to for advice over the past two years. I'm Professor John Edmonds. I work at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. John, life feels more normal now than it has done for two years, really. Then in early March, we noticed something odd. COVID hospital admissions seem to be up 30% in a week. And suddenly, everyone I know seems to be coming down with COVID. Uh, Half of Times Radio is down with it at the moment. What's going on? Well, prevalence is still very high, almost as high as it has been. 
There's multiple reasons for it, and I'll run through them. Mm. I think one of the main ones, of course, is the gradual taking over of BA2, which is a kind of cousin of the original strain of Omicron, which has been around for a long time. And we were first identified it a, a long time ago, around the same time that Omicron originally was identified. But it's gradually taken over, and it's now the dominant strain. It's been the dominant strain for the last few weeks now. Is it worse or milder than Omicron? Very hard to say. I think the safest assumption is it's about the same. So I, I don't think it's significantly more severe or anything like that. But it is. it does look like it's more transmissible. And so we have an increase in the prevalence of infection right across the country and, and really right across age groups as well. If you have more infections, then that's inevitably going to lead to more disease. And so you're seeing more cases coming into hospital. At the moment, deaths are still fairly flat, thankfully. But I mean, I think if you see an increase in hospitalizations, you might expect to see an increase in deaths at some point a week or two later. In terms of the hospitalizations, we've been trying to work out how worried we should be. Do we know if the people who are going into hospital now, are they going in with COVID? Is that the thing that's taking them into hospital? Or, or do they go into hospital for something else, but they happen to have COVID because everybody does at the moment? Yeah, well, it's a mixture of both. Mm. I mean, it's still a problem even if you weren't hospitalised for COVID itself. It's still a problem that you're infectious, you're infectious to others. There's other people in hospital, very vulnerable people in hospital often. And so you're still a problem for the health service, as it were. I mean, obviously don't mean to be, but that is the case. And of course, it can exacerbate disease as well, but it's a mix. Estimates are sort of 50-50 incidental and, you know, in that ballpark incidental versus being hospitalised because you've got COVID. So that's still a fairly alarming number going in with COVID, people being being hospitalised. Yeah, there's no question. There's a large number of hospitalisations happening and a large fraction of the hospital beds are being used up by patients with COVID. It really does put strain on the health service. So this high prevalence is a problem. There's no question about it. How bad could this wave get? It's very hard to say. I mentioned BA2 is one of the contributing factors. I don't think it's the only thing. You started off by saying society is starting to get back to normal. And it is, but very slowly. And we're not there. We're still a long way from normal, actually. And so as we return to contact patterns that are more typical of before the pandemic, Mm. then that can fuel the epidemic more. And there's quite a long way to go to get back to normal that could have quite a significant effect over the coming months. And then the other effect, of course, waning protection from the vaccination programme. As protection wanes, then, of course, you'd expect to see more cases. You could give booster doses, you know, and that's going to help. I really do think at some point we we can't just keep giving booster doses every time infection starts to rise. But clearly, there is a scheduled next set of boosters to be given to the highest risk people in the next few weeks. Uh, I think that's a good thing. We have to see where the epidemic goes. It's hard to say how high it will go, how long it will last. My hunch is I think we'll see high incidence for some considerable period of time, unfortunately. And actually, the final factor really is there's still one group in the population that isn't fully immune, and that's the youngest, 11s and under. That's the only group where there's still susceptible people who haven't been exposed and have not been vaccinated maybe about 25% of them are still susceptible, so they haven't been exposed. And so there's still infections, unfortunately, to go in the, in the young. I, mean, I suppose that's true for the clinically vulnerable too, because they haven't been exposed. Well, they've been vaccinated. 
They have a certain mm. amount of protection from that. There is undoubtedly an issue with the relatively small number, but there is a number of people who don't get much protection from the vaccine for whatever reason, or have very impaired lung function, for instance, and so even just a mild infection would be very serious for them. Mm. And so we do have to take steps to try and protect them when prevalence is high, as unfortunately it is at the moment. For me as well, thinking more long term, there's a lot of talk a few weeks about, about you know, it becoming endemic and, and, and it will, COVID will become an endemic infection. But the real question is, at what level will it be endemic? So do you have a, a low level of infection in the community? And, and it won't be steady, it will, it will fluctuate around, but, it, but will it fluctuate around a low level of infection in the community or will it fluctuate around at a relatively high level of infection in the community? If immunity is quite short-lived and the viruses are very transmissible, mm. then you might expect it to fluctuate at a, around a, a relatively high level of prevalence in the community. And I think that's what we're starting to see, unfortunately. You know, immunity doesn't last for that long. Immunity to infection, to infection yeah. doesn't last for that long. That's so interesting because, you know, when all of this began, there was a lot of talk of herd immunity there were people who were, I think, quite hopeful that now, after a really miserable couple of years, perhaps we were getting to the stage where we had it. But actually, if immunity wanes quite quickly, do we ever get to herd immunity? Does that, is that, does that concept even work? Yes, I, I think there's a lot of confusion about what herd immunity is. It's basically the level of immunity in the population such that there's more chains of transmission being broken than they are being created. Herd immunity will always kick in at some point, but that doesn't mean to say that transmission stops. It doesn't. So I think people thought that herd immunity meant you would get no transmission. That's just a complete misunderstanding of the epidemiology. It doesn't mean that. So actually, when it's at an endemic level, you actually have achieved at that point herd immunity. That's what it meant. Right. I think just people just didn't understand it. And it, I know you do a lot of modelling, otherwise I wouldn't even ask because it's it's an impossible question. But how much longer do you think it'll take before we get to a stage where it is endemic? Well, we're not back to normal. No. It depends on how long it takes us to get back to some sort of stable behaviour. You achieve herd immunity at some level of behaviour in the population. So herd immunity just means you've got enough immunity in the population for instance to start to go down. Now, we've had that already. You know, we had that in the autumn incidence was stable and starting to go down at the end of the autumn with Delta. So we had enough immunity in the population at that point, but that was at that level of behaviour, which was nowhere near back to normal. And so the long-term stable herd immunity level is when we're long-term back to normal behaviour, and we're just not. I know it feels like it's normal, but it really isn't. So if you look at transport measures, we're about 80% of pre-pandemic levels, so there's 20% to go, as it were. If you look at people's contact, that's much lower because a lot of people are still working at home. But you can also just tell from when was the last time you had a cold. Most people haven't had a cold for two years. And we've kind of got used to it, so we don't realise this. But you know, we've reduced our contact behaviour really significantly. And so we haven't got back to normal. Maybe this is the new normal, but I suspect it isn't. Hmm. And just in terms of where we are at the moment, you talked a bit about waning immunity. And I think one of the things that's been quite surprising 
for many of us is that just anecdotally, you're hearing about a lot of younger people getting it. And they're the ones who were sort of vaccinated or triple jabbed most recently. I mean, does that mean either their immunity has waned very, very quickly? Or does it mean that this particular variant, this cousin of Omicron, is better at getting past the vaccine? Well, immunity isn't a kind of off-on switch. There's immunity to different things. So most of us still have very, very good immunity against severe disease. So the vaccine does give you very good protection against severe disease. And that wanes much more slowly. It probably Mm. does wane. As I say, we're seeing this increase in hospitalizations now. But we have good protection against severe disease. What we don't have is good protection against just being infected. That wanes much faster, unfortunately. And so many people are getting infected, but they're having mild disease because immunity is still kicking in and preventing severe infections from happening and so on for the vast majority of people. Look at the prevalence in, particularly in the over 70s or something in the ONS survey, it's incredibly high. And yet we're not having huge numbers of hospitalizations and deaths because the vaccines are still working very well. The issue really is if we have this high prevalence in the community, that is a problem for those people where vaccines don't give such great protection. Coming up, why is Hong Kong currently seeing possibly the worst wave of COVID ever recorded anywhere? But that's after a message from a colleague. This is Callum MacDonald interrupting your enjoyment of Stories of Our Times to say hello from Times Radio. Every weekday morning from 5am you can join me on Early Breakfast as we unpack the day ahead and we bring you Times Radio's first business bulletin of the day. We can only do all of this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. You can subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
China is reporting its first coronavirus-related death since last January. More than 50 million people in China are now under lockdown as the country faces its worst COVID crisis since early 2020. The other thing that's really worried many of us is just looking at the news coming from China, where suddenly there are areas in China that are going back into lockdown. What's happening there? Well, they've got, just as the rest of us, they have these more transmissible strains, Omicron, getting in, and so it's more difficult to control with Mm. the sort of measures that they've had in place. But I think probably Hong Kong is the more salient one to look at. Hong Kong has been hit by a surge in coronavirus infections that has overwhelmed the territory's healthcare system. Two years into the pandemic, what's happening in Hong Kong looks more like the first two months. There's been a deadly Omicron surge and a rising number of COVID-related deaths. It's feared that Hong Kong could run out of coffins within days. They've really been overwhelmed with Omicron over the last couple of months. Enormous numbers of deaths. And that's because they've had really rather poor level of coverage in the very elderly and care home residents and so on, vaccine coverage, for whatever reason. So although Omicron is generally milder than the other variants that we've had, it's still a severe disease if you haven't been vaccinated. And unfortunately, that's what you're seeing in Hong Kong. It's infecting large numbers of unvaccinated elderly people. And it's resulting in really frightening levels of impact on hospitals and and deaths, unfortunately. Yeah. And bringing it back to the UK, how worried are you? I mean, how worried should we be by the spike we're seeing? I don't think we should be overly worried about it. I think we need to monitor it very carefully and see what happens. We'd already announced that the highest risk groups are going to have another booster dose in April. I think that's very sensible. I think we see what happens after that. Yesterday, the government in England kicked off another booster programme. People aged 75 and over, care home residents and the immunosuppressed will be invited to have a fourth dose of the vaccine. Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland started similar programmes in the last couple of weeks. And 5 to 11-year-olds are to be offered a low-dose vaccine from next month. The government's Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, the JCVI, say it's likely there'll be an autumn booster for a wider group of people. There's no final decision yet, but in light of the surge in cases, should we all be getting another booster sooner rather than later? I think we should monitor it. I wouldn't jump to conclusions about that yet. The group being offered the next booster sort of second boost, if you like, are those at highest risk. What we need to do is look carefully at at the impact of that. Booster doses work quite quickly, and so we ought to be able to see the impact of that fairly quickly, one would hope. And you said earlier that we can't give people boosters forever. So what do we do? Well, I think it could well be that we give maybe an annual COVID shot, just as we give an annual flu shot to many people in society. Who knows? It's just too early to say. There's so many different possible trajectories that this can follow will take some time for us to achieve something like some endemic state that we were talking about earlier. Um, And that's not going to happen in the next few weeks or the next few months. That's going to happen over the next few years. As that unwinds, then I think we can start to look at more longer term strategies for how we best control COVID. 
You mentioned earlier, you know, with the hospitalisation numbers going up and the pressure on the NHS, is there a chance that it'll get to a stage where we have to think about rolling back some of the recent changes, you know, bringing back some of the restrictions again? I think it's hard to say. I suspect the more likely scenario would be we would roll out vaccines quicker. Hmm. And if this is the new normal, you know, if, if we do just have to get used to having a fairly high but stable level of COVID, is the price of that a growing number of people with long COVID? Is long COVID going to become a bigger and bigger problem in all of this? I think it is already a significant problem. The data suggested it's really most likely to occur on first infection. So hopefully we've had most of those hmm. because most people are now protected in some way from COVID. That's so interesting. Yeah, I do think we will continue to have a problem. There's an enormous number of people who still have symptoms as a result, and that's going to have an effect on their health. You know, and we just have to see how this all pans out. We don't know how long any of these things last for and this is a brand new disease so we just have to see how it works. And you mentioned some of the data there I mean tell us a bit about that I mean very selfishly I had Covid last year it wasn't much fun but I was really grateful not to have long Covid at the end of it you know I know how devastated people I know have been by it. Is there less chance that if I got Covid again I would get long Covid? You sort of said the first infection. Yes that looks like it's the case yeah. And is it different for different variants? You know, if, if it's a milder variant, are you less likely to get long COVID? I don't know whether there's any decent data on that, to be honest. I don't know. But second and third infections are... Um... Yeah, I mean, or, you know, if, you're, if you've been previously, if you're immune, uh, it looks like you're less likely to have longer term symptoms. And long COVID isn't just one thing, it's lots of different things. And so we have to get much better at actually describing what it is. It's not just one thing, it's lots of different clinical manifestations. And so it's sort of a bit wrong just to lump it all together and call it long COVID. It's still a work in progress. And John, you've been one of the key people giving advice to the government. You've been on SAGE for the past two years. At the beginning of all of this, it did feel like we were all floundering around. We didn't really know how to respond to what was hitting us. And we also know from bitter experience now that COVID... It's not linear. It seems to take twists and turns when you least expect it. Do you feel that we are now prepared for all eventualities? Do you feel like whatever comes now, we're ready? We're much better off than we were. Far, far better off than we were, thankfully. There's always something that could really come out of left field. Now, we will get hit by further variants. That's unquestionably going to be the case. We can sort of predict what they're going to look like in broad terms, they're likely to be immune escapes like Omicron. Mm. That doesn't mean to say that they're going to be as mild as Omicron, which was relatively mild, less severe than Delta and, and Alpha, for instance. It might be inherently severe immune escape. That's certainly possible. I think we'll likely see immune escape variants arising. We should have protection from vaccines. Again, you know, they ought to give us protection against severe disease at least. What we need to be able to do is to respond rapidly to any new variant that starts to spread, take action like roll out a new vaccination programme, booster mm. doses if necessary. I think we need longer term, better vaccines that offer broader protection. There's a lot of research that needs to be done there to protect us against different potential strains. Frankly, we've been trying to do this for flu, though, for decades and haven't managed it. So it's not an easy task. Yeah. So I, we are better off. But it's not quite over yet. It's never going to be over. We're going to be living with COVID forevermore. 
it's a matter of how it all pans out. Is it impossible for something really, another really nasty strain to really catch us that, is, that the vaccines really don't work very well? No, it's not impossible. There's a, a lot of uncertainty about it in the next few years, unfortunately. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Professor of Epidemiology at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, John Edmonds. The producer today was James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you enjoyed this episode, if it was useful, please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.